Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and it's the time of year to embrace the madness. March madness, that is, as the USC men's basketball team is headed to Indianapolis to play in the NCAA tournament. My guest today in episode 24 has been a college basketball analyst for ESPN since 2007. He was a member of the 1986-87 NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers, but is probably best known for his college career as a forward at the University of Maryland, where he helped lead the Terps to the 1984 ACC championship. However, I think the most impressive part of his extensive basketball career might just be the fact that he was named the MVP of the winning East squad in the 1981 McDonald's High School All-American game on a team that featured Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen, and Michael Jordan. Adrian Branch, it's great to have you on the Everything USC podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Nar. I'm happy to be here. And of course, if you enjoy listening to the show, you can subscribe and rate it wherever you find your favorite podcasts. That's iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and more. Or you can go to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcast. For me, I am on Twitter. You can connect with me there, at Nara Wang Sports. That's N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Adrian, my man, anything you want to promote, get out there, or are you just happy to be living the basketball life? Oh, no, live your best life now. Say no to drugs and keep smiling. Pray with your eyes open. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Basketball is in full swing with the NBA going into its second half and college hoops heating up as schools make their way to the madness. The tournament is coming and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest as BetOnline is the spot for all your bracketology needs. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The Trojans received the sixth seed in the West region and will play on Saturday, March 20th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. Pacific at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, the home of the Indiana Pacers, versus the winner of the first four game between Wichita State and Drake to determine the 11th seed. The SC first round game will be televised nationally on TNT, and KABC 790 AM will have the local radio broadcast. Adrian Branch, you called three USC games this season. Do you think that the selection committee evaluated the Trojans properly by giving them a six seed and listing them as the number 21 overall seed? Yeah, I've got no problem with that. USC, boy, they were easy to love. With Evan Mobley, who's going to be a top three pick, he played like it mattered. 
They're long, the tallest team in the NCAA tournament, well-coached team. You had the coach of the year. I think that USC in the Pac-12 and Florida State in the ACC are really coming in there with an attitude. And what I mean is Florida State should have won. They were runner-up in the ACC regular season, and they were runner-up in the ACC tournament. So they're coming in with an attitude, attitude. And I think USC is smarting with some of the games they let get away because they would have won the conference for the first time in two or three decades or something like that. So I think if you're Andy Enfield, you don't need motivation for your team right now. It is going to be the first appearance in the big dance since 2017, although they probably would have made it last year if there had been a tournament. It's the third appearance under Coach Andy Enfield in that 2017 tournament. They were in the first four where they beat Providence, which was a revenge game from the previous year's tournament when they lost to Providence as an eight seed. And then they knocked off SMU before losing to Baylor in the East Regional in 2017. So Enfield gets the team back into the tournament for the third time in his stewardship. And like you mentioned, he was the Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Evan Mobley named the Pac-12 Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Freshman Player of the Year, the first person to sweep those three awards in the Pac-12, and only the second major conference player to do that behind Anthony Davis when he was at Kentucky in the SEC. So the possible matchups here for USC are going to be either Wichita State out of the American Athletic Conference or Drake out of the Missouri Valley Conference. What do you think about those two teams? Is one of them more dangerous for USC than the other? I think really at this time of year, yes, it's matchups and how it goes. But because they defend so well, they can defend the perimeter. So if Drake tries to bomb away at the three-point line, USC can defend that. Also with Wichita State, that they'll try to be tough. USC can match that in their toughness as well. So I think they have both styles. The only challenge for USC is going to be at the free throw line. They've got to hit their free throws in a timely match. Yeah, USC has a terrible time at the free throw line, <laughs> it's to say adventure. the least. It's an adventure. I think an adventure is putting it nicely, Adrian. They're not good <laughs> at all from the free throw line, shooting the worst in the Pac-12. I mean, under 65%. That's embarrassing, isn't it, Adrian, to shoot as a team under 65%? Yeah, and Coach Enfield said it's when you shoot them. Now, think about this. Shaq, of course, Shaquille O'Neal, the great world champion, Shaq shot about 65% as well. So I will say Shaq did say if you check his record, he hit his shots when they mattered. And you can't argue with that. So am I comfortable with them at 65%? No. I mean, Isaiah Mobley, can get up and down at that free throw line, though at times he's hit back-to-back ones in the clutch. So timely shooting. I'll give you this, Nar. This team actually reminds me of Derrick Rose's team. Remember when Derrick Rose played his one season at Memphis years ago? Yeah, yeah. And they lost in the championship. I think it was to Kansas or something before they yep. got stripped. But they were a poor free throw shooting team, and it came back on them in that championship game. And this team reminds me of Derrick Rose's team. They can cut down a lot of opponents, but some point at some time in this tournament, they're going to have to win a close game at the free throw line, and therein lies the challenge. 
Yeah, and so taking a real quick closer look at each of these possible opponents for USC, Wichita State, of course, had a little bit of controversy before the season started. Sure. Their previous head coach, Greg Marshall, got in trouble, of course. We're not going to go into all the details with that, but Isaac Brown was elevated to be the interim coach, and after doing such a great job this season, he has been named the full-time head coach for the Shockers, and he had to lead the team through a tough year. They are led by Tyson Etienne, a kid who has really good bloodlines. His dad, Max, played at your alma mater, Maryland, for a couple of seasons. He's the nephew of Marcus Camby, and he's a cousin of DeAndre Jordan. So a lot of good (laughs) bloodlines for the leading scorer for the Wichita State Shockers, Tyson Etienne. And then they brought in a grad transfer from UConn, Altariq Gilbert, as well. And like you said, they're a tough, gritty team, not a lot of size. And so they're known for their defense, and that might play into USC's hands because USC is a good defensive team, but with a lot of size. On the other hand, Drake likes to get the three up, likes to score a lot of points, but their leading scorer, Shanquan Hemphill, also known as Tank, he broke his left foot in February. They were expecting maybe a four-week recovery time, which puts it around now, so we'll see if he's available to play on Friday for Drake and the Bulldogs and their third leading scorer Roman Penn is out for the season because he hurt his foot so they're in a bit of an interesting situation with their injury issues they also have Joseph Yesafu who's their second leading scorer there and they have a little bit more size than Wichita does so in that matchup between those two teams what do you think wins out the high scoring shoot the threes of Drake or the tough gritty defense of Wichita. If you think about it, from the Pac-12, you get a chance to play against every style. So when you go against like Oregon State, Oregon State likes to bomb away at the three-point line. They weren't the biggest team, but they did with Ethan Thompson. They get out there and they would shoot that shot from the three-point line. So they're used to that style. And think about it, they hold opponents to under 32% from the three-point line. So USC in their length they can guard. They can step out. Evan Mobley can guard a small when they small on a pick and roll. Isaiah Mobley moves his feet very well. Isaiah White moves his feet very well. So they're committed. And then Ethan Anderson is their best on-ball defender. So they can guard that stop. And then, again, as you said, if they want to play a ground and pound, well, you better get your rest because think about this. It's not who you play. It's when you play them. And when you just said there's major injuries and the young man that's coming off a foot injury, I find that even with a foot injury, it's going to be hard to get up to game speed in a 41 win and go home situation. It's still going to take a little more time. So these two early matchups favor the Trojans. And of course, if USC gets by either Wichita State or Drake, The matchup in the next round would be against either the Kansas Jayhawks or Eastern Washington. And of course, everyone would expect it to be Kansas. And USC was supposed to start a home-and-home series with Kansas this season. And they were supposed to go to Lawrence in the non-conference. But thanks to the pandemic, all those schedules got changed up. So they did not play Kansas. So this would almost be maybe like a makeup game between USC and Kansas, except with the stakes higher, of course, in the NCAA tournament. 
And Kansas, of course, had a little bit of issues with COVID going into this tournament. We still, obviously, as we record this on a Tuesday morning, don't know exactly how that's going to shake out totally for the Jayhawks. But what do you think about a possible USC-Kansas matchup in round number two? I think that would be a great matchup because you look at Kansas and Bill Self, they love to go big to big, a high to low screen. So you get the big that's passing it down low to another big. So you've got to defend early. They can put pressure on the front line. You also have with them almost five double figure scores. They're starting five, all are average nine points to 14 points. They rebound well, 38 rebounds a game. And then here's something that's very key assist to turnovers, 13 assists to 12 turnovers. So they have a positive assist to turnover with Marcus Garrett, who's taking the next step. David McCormick blocked shots. That would be a great matchup with the Mobley brothers. I like his size, 6'10", 265-pound junior. And you know he's going to want a piece of Evan. Evan's only 220 pounds, so he's going to be trying to lay the wood at him. But he better make sure he puts some arc on his jump hook because Evan will go and block that jump hook shot. Yeah, it just seems like Evan Mobley is stepping up his game, had two great games in the Pac-12 tournament for USC, scoring a career-high 26 points in each of them. So big picture, how far do you think USC can go, and how far do you think they will go in the big dance? I like them as a Sweet 16 team. I always like to say this. When you have that type of talent, first of all, if you have a guy who's supposed to be one of the two, three best players in the nation, then you should expect with a good team or good parts around them, you should expect to at least get to a sweet 16. So the big hurdle with them will be Kansas if everybody plays the form. And then they could meet again, (laughs) possibly Oregon. Remember, Oregon has Iowa, and then it could be a USC-Oregon game in the sweet 16. But they've got to go through that mountain with Kansas. Playing Kansas, let's just say they go to form. And then Kansas is a number three. USC is a number six. They've got to be efficient. So in other words, the three-point shot has to be cooking. Taj Eady has to move the ball. And a lot of times, Peterson is a high-risk, high-reward player. He'll over-penetrate sometimes and get himself in trouble or not pass it when the cutter is open. But if he can stay within control, of the offense and not try to do too much, USC can beat anyone in the country. Yeah, I think what we've seen is that USC can play with anybody, but at times they get bogged down if they can't make their perimeter jump shots and have to rely solely on the defense to kind of grind out a win. So it depends on what USC team shows up. I mean, you saw them three times and two of them were wins against Oregon State and Arizona State, but you also saw them lose to Colorado, a team they lost to three times. What was the difference between the wins and the loss that you saw? Well, a lot of times it's the mental focus. So it just seems Colorado has their number where it's surprising to me that they've won six or seven straight against a USC team. And USC is a very good defensive team, but McKinley Wright, now that's a dark horse team to me in a tournament, Colorado, and here's why. They're a veteran team. They're the 33rd top 30 in games experience. So they're an older team. They're number one in the nation at the free throw line. They hit their free throws. They can defend you very well inside the arc and the three-point line. And then they have a tremendous point guard 
who's this year's version of Peyton Pritchard to me. He controls the game and makes his teammates better. Colorado is a dark horse team. USC is not going to surprise anybody because of Evan Mobley and where you have a lottery pick like Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State, where you have a lottery pick, people are going to have all eyes on them. They're not going to sneak up on anybody. Colorado, if they can get past Georgetown, could sneak up on folks. And it's funny you say that because Colorado is actually higher ranked than USC because USC finished the APN coaches poll at number 23 in the final regular season polls with their 22-7 and record, 15-5 and in the regular season of the Pac-12, and they right. finished 19th in the net rankings. Colorado is actually 15th in the net and a spot above them in the polls as well. So it's just funny that, like you mentioned, Colorado is seen as a dark horse because they don't have necessarily the superstar of an Evan Mobley, even though McKinney right. Wright, I think, is going to be a good NBA player for a long time. Yes. But the star power elevates the profile of USC out there nationally. And Oh, absolutely. Oregon, a team that won the regular season title, is a team that's always done well under Dana Altman in the tournament during his tenure there with the Ducks, and they were just ranked 33rd in the net rankings, not even ranked in the final AP poll. So we'll see how the Pac-12 does there. But again, this is the Everything USC podcast. I'm Nara Wang, joined today by ESPN college basketball analyst Adrian Branch. If you enjoy listening to the show, please subscribe and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn, or go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me, I'm on Twitter. You can reach out to me with any USC or other sports-related items at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. This is Steve Lavin, former UCLA and St. John's basketball coach and current college basketball analyst for Fox Sports. And you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Podcast Network. Okay, Adrian, now let's take a look at the tournament as a whole. We'll begin in USC's bracket in the West region. The one seed, of course, no surprise, the undefeated Gonzaga Bulldogs and Iowa, like you mentioned, they got the two seed there, possible matchup with Oregon in the second round, USC and Kansas in their sub-regional, and then the 4-5, you have Virginia as the four taking on Ohio, Creighton, the five seed taking on a dangerous, I think, UC Santa Barbara team as a 12 seed, the 8-9 matchup, Oklahoma and Missouri. What stands out to you in the West? Outside of Gonzaga. I'm going to go with 8-9. You can always flip a coin because they're so close to each other. But I'm going with Conzo Martin. I like them. He's tough. They're well-tested. OU has had some highs. has had some lows. But here's the shocking one. I'm going with Santa Barbara. I'm going with Santa Barbara over Creighton. I think Creighton, because of McDermott and the comments that he made, I think internally has fragmented their team somewhat. Remember, they had a bad loss against Georgetown in the championship game. And when you have your leader as a young man, when you have your coach that's been under fire on something that really was of his own hand, that affects you because a coach is a father figure, a mentor, a counselor, a trusted leader. And when your leader has affected you, it's going to take a little while to get your compass pointed north again. 
that's definitely an interesting situation, and I agree with you. I think the Gauchos are a very good team coming out of the Big West, and they're going to be dangerous for the Blue Jays for sure. And you know what? I could see a USC-Oregon matchup, like you said, possibly happening again, and that would be big for the Pac-12 if that were to happen. Now let's move to the East region, which is who the West region champion is going to play. The number one seed there out of the Big Ten is Michigan, and they will get the winner of Mount St. Mary's and Texas Southern from the first four. And then the 8-9 is LSU against St. Bonaventure. Also in the top half of the bracket, the four-seed Florida State that you've brought up from the ACC, taking on UNC Greensboro. The five-seed is the Pac-12's Colorado Buffaloes, taking on the Big East champion Georgetown Hoyas, who made that big run through the Big East tournament to get in. On the bottom half, Alabama out of the SEC is the two-seed, taking on Rick Patino's Iona Gales, the 15. UConn and Maryland is the 7-10 matchup. My beloved Terps. Let's go, Terps. Yeah, you're Terps. The three-seed is Shaka Smart and the Texas Longhorns, taking on Abilene Christian. And the six-seeded BYU Cougars will take on the winner of this tremendous first-four matchup between Michigan State and USC's rival, the UCLA Bruins. So in the East, what do you like there? Michigan is playing very well, very tough. They can play multiple styles. They can defend the ball. They won the championship in the regular season. And then they're going to be smarting because their big rival, Ohio State, bopped them in the nose. So you always want a team to be playing with a cause, with a purpose. And that's the case with this one. I like Colorado over Georgetown on this one. I know that's a 5-12. Many people are picking Georgetown. I've got no problem with it. Two well-coached teams. I'm going to go with the free throw shooting in the close game with Colorado. But I'm going to tell you the one that's really tough is the Florida State. Florida State, like I mentioned, USC should be playing with a serious chip on their shoulders because they were second place in the regular season where they controlled their own destiny. And then they lost to Georgia Tech. So Notre Dame and Georgia Tech, a team they would beat nine out of ten times, beat them and clipped them up for second place finish. So they're going to be extremely motivated. And what about your Terps? Can the 10th-seeded Maryland squad knock off number 7 UConn? I'm a hope so. You know, I got to go with my Terps anyway. <laughs> I'm going with my Terps. I'm just happy they got in here. They didn't have a margin of error. They didn't have the superstars like they did. Stick Smith is now in Phoenix. He was a first-round draft pick. Anthony Cowan was a big-time star for them for four years. So this is a team that you don't want to look like misfit toys. You know, the sum has to be greater than the parts. In my belief, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I think the East region is the most stacked region top to bottom in the tournament. I think that's fair. You don't get an argument with that one because Michigan can win a national championship. Florida State can go to a Final Four. Texas is athletic as anybody in the nation. UCLA, I'm waiting for them to break out. I thought they've been a little off. Of course, they're missing Chris Smith, but they are too good. They're too good not to go to a Sweet 16. I've got them beating Michigan State, beating a very good BYU team, and I've got them playing against Texas. And from a Sweet 16, it's anybody's game. But I got them moving on against Texas. Wow, that is a bold pick by you. And sure, if they're dialed in. they got to be dialed in, Nara. Yeah, for sure. We'll see what happens there. 
Let's move on to the Midwest region now, where the top seed is the Illinois Fighting Illini, also out of the Big Ten. They have 16-seeded Drexel, the Dragons, back in the tournament for the first time in a long time. And the 8-9 game is the Fighting Sister Jeans, Loyola Chicago, back (laughs) in the tournament against Georgia Tech, the ACC tournament champs. The fourth seed is Cade Cunningham's Oklahoma State Cowboys taking on Liberty. The five seed is Tennessee, and they get... As the 12 seed, the Pac-12 tournament champion, Oregon State Beavers. On the other side of the bracket, the two seed is Houston. Kelvin Sampson leading his Cougars back into the tournament. They'll have Cleveland State as the 15. Clemson and Rutgers is the 7-10. West Virginia, Bob Huggins gets a three seed and will take on Moorhead State in the first round. And San Diego State getting a six seed, taking on the 11-seeded Orange of Syracuse. What do you think about the Midwest? It's interesting. Illinois is the top team until someone proves them differently. You have to keep an eye on Cade Cunningham. What he has done, he's shown. You know what's interesting? He and Evan Mobley are going to be top three picks, but they didn't shut down the, the season. Cunningham played through an ankle injury and still played like he gave a darn. Evan Mobley never gave any hint that I'm going to sit it out. Remember James Wiseman, where he got ineligible last year, he had to sit out. But who's the young man from Duke? A lottery pick, first time ever. And you're at Duke, and you're sitting out saying, I'm going to get my draft status together. So it says a lot about those players, Cunningham and Mobley, where they wanted to seal the deal and finish that year with their teammates. I love that about those lottery picks. Yeah, Oklahoma State, dangerous. I think people felt they were underseeded, getting a four. And so they have a nice little thing there because, honestly, Tennessee, Oregon State, I know a lot of people probably haven't followed the Beavers, but if they can get hot from three, they've got great senior leadership in Ethan Thompson, they could surprise Tennessee, which has been kind of hit or miss throughout some of the season and relies on a couple of freshmen as their best players. Yeah, and they've been hot. Oregon State did the improbable. I'm going with Tennessee on this one. Usually I'll still go with the hot hand. I think it's just Rick Barnes is really going to have his team fired up. And if both of them play to the best of their ability, Tennessee is a better team. But I've said this before. Nara, I said this the last time I called Oregon State. Many believe, and I do too, this is Wayne Tinkle's best coaching job. And this is without his son, Trace Tinkle. And we see that where they won the tournament and they were picked to be last place. They were picked to be 12th. They're 12th seed now, but they were picked to be last in the Pac-12 and they finished first. Come on. A tremendous job by Wayne Tinkle and he takes the Beavers back for the second time under his coaching tenure there in Corvallis. And so finally, Adrian, we talk about the South region. The top seed is the Baylor Bears. Coming out of Waco and the Big 12, they get the 16-seeded Hartford Hawks. And an 8-9 matchup, big one, North Carolina-Wisconsin. Two power conference teams matching up there. The four-seed is Purdue, taking on North Texas. Villanova, which of course lost their heart and soul of the team, Colin Gillespie, to season-ending injury. They got the fifth seed. They will take on a dangerous 12-seed, the 23-1 Winthrop team that a lot of people are picking to pull off an upset. On the bottom half, number two seed Ohio State Buckeyes taking on Oral Roberts. 
the seventh seeded Florida Gators against the tenth seed Virginia Tech. The three seed is Arkansas taking on Colgate and six eleven matchup between Texas Tech and Utah State. What are you seeing there out of the South? Well, you got to keep an eye on Ohio State. They just won a Big Ten tournament. They're a very good team. I'm not going with, I love Pat Kelsey at Winthrop, but I'm going with Villanova. They just have too much respect for just washing out in the first round. I'm not going with that one. Villanova is going to reboot on this one. I think the dangerous game is UNC, if they can get there versus Baylor. The power of UNC versus the small ball three-point shooting of Baylor I'm going with UNC on this one. Wow. I mean, UNC does have that big size advantage. They'll play two bigs at a time. And the freshman, Dayron Sharp, has really stepped up as of late. And honestly, the surprising thing I think a lot of people didn't know about Sharp is what a great passer he is. And that has really helped the team. And then the emergence of Walker Kessler as well late in the season. So... UNC is a very dangerous team, and Baylor, since they came back from their little pause because of COVID, has been a little up and down. I mean, their two losses, of course, came after that, and then they just haven't looked the same as they did earlier in the season. So we'll see if they're vulnerable here. So I got to get it out of you, Adrian. Your final four predictions, and then who do you think is cutting down the nets in Indianapolis? From the South... I'm going to go with Ohio State up there in the West. I'm going with Gonzaga. From the East, I'm going Michigan. I almost wanted Florida State, but I'll go with Michigan. And then from the Midwest, I'll go with the safe money, Illinois. All right. Three one seeds, as it turns out, and a two seed. A two seed. Yeah, fairly chalky, but you do see some upsets in the early rounds. And of course, that is what makes the tournament so great. Those first and second rounds. Well, flip this one. You know what? There was one out in I'm going Florida State. I'm going Florida State to the final four. All right. You're taking out Michigan. You're moving in the Seminoles instead. There we go. So dropping a one for a four seed there in the East region. So. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. There are so many teams that you figure have a chance, especially in a crazy year that was beset by a pandemic. So does Gonzaga get it done? Are they cutting down the nets as the first undefeated champion since 1976 and Bob Knight's Indiana team? Or is someone else knocking them off? And who do you think is winning it all? Yeah, before I let you go, or before you let me go, no chance. No chance. (laughs) now ask me in what direction no chance yeah does that mean no chance that they're gonna win the title no chance those other 67 get it but gonzaga i'm going gonzaga i'm going historic run we had a historic plague now we're gonna have a historic victory and undefeated season the zags baby west coast let's go All right. The people in Spokane, Washington, who might be listening, are going to be very happy with that pick by Adrian (laughs) Branch. And of course, you are listening to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Nara Wang, joined by ESPN college basketball analyst and proud University of Maryland alum, Adrian Branch. If you want to find the show, go to your favorite podcast directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and more. Find the show, subscribe, and rate it. 
or go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcast. For me, I'm on Twitter. You can find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. And finally, Adrian Branch, before I let you go, I just want to talk a little bit about the star player for USC, the true freshman Evan Mobley, and what you think his future looks like. Because let's face it, we all know he's going to turn pro. He's going to be most likely a top three pick in the NBA draft. What do you see him doing in the NBA down the line? I think he's going to be a star. I think he has no idea how good he is yet. If you look at his form, He has a high-release form like Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. He can shoot the leather off the ball and doesn't even know it yet. This young man is going to be outstanding, has the same body type as a young Anthony Davis. Coming in at 220, Anthony Davis now is about 260, 265, looks good on him. But this young man is as good as it gets. He's not overrated. He's very humble. I love this young guy. Can't get enough of him. And his brother is going to be next in line. I don't think he has the high ceiling of Evan, but I think that Isaiah can be a Kyle Anderson kind of a player. So he's got an opportunity to be a very good pro himself putting the work in. Interesting, interesting thought about Isaiah there. And the thing that I love about Evan is something that maybe some people might have criticized him for a little bit at the beginning is that they're saying that he's too passive and sometimes that, you know, I mean, he had that game where he didn't put up a shot against Utah. But to me, it shows that he's willing to be a team player. He's not out there just looking to hunt his shots because he's a star. He's trying to fit in and do the right basketball plays in order to be a winning basketball player. Great point. And now you're seeing him step up and turn up the notch on the scoring part of it to help his team. And that's what the team needed in those last couple of games in the Pac-12 tournament. So I just think he's a guy who got to put a little more weight on him, got to eat a little bit more maybe and work out and build up the muscle and build up that strength. But I think he is going to be a guy who, if he keeps up this attitude and this desire to keep getting better, he is going to be an NBA star. Great point. Great point. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you for letting me feel like a Trojan today, and I'm excited to team up with you. Adrian, appreciate your time, and you can be an honorary Trojan anytime. (laughs) I'll take that. Thank you, Nara. You got it. So for my guest, Adrian Branch, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 24 of the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as I end every show, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.